Before we get started today, rather than thanking a listener or a call to action, Rebecca and I wanted to spend a minute acknowledging current events and the relationship of our podcast to them. We recorded this episode several weeks ago, and it just seemed a bit tone deaf to jump right in without a word about what we're experiencing right now in the United States and around the world. Uh, We are heartbroken by the murder of George Floyd and the turbulence that has followed. And we really feel for the family and all of those in the community affected. Uh, this is an issue that hits very close to home for us in a, in a literal sense. Minneapolis is the closest major city to our uh, family home in Wisconsin. And we both have close friends in the area who have been directly affected. Um, a friend of mine actually lives just four blocks from where George Floyd was killed. Uh, we are not a current events podcast and we never want to become one. But we do have to acknowledge that these events do affect us and our listeners. And art, art is a lens through which we interpret these events. And we cope with our own feelings and bring about positive change in the world as well. Um, it seems that we've moved straight from a global pandemic into the current situation. And... We want our listeners to know that now and in the future, no matter what the crisis is, your art will be there for you. And we want to help you to move forward and to continue to produce art. Uh, with that said, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Techner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. Today on The Messy Studio, it's complicated. Making composition work. We touched on today's topic in our last episode when we briefly went over some of the important design elements. With those, basically we're talking about composition and how to arrange the visual elements on a 2D surface so that they work. This is complex because each aspect of composition affects others in subtle or not so subtle ways. Intuition plays an important role in composition, something just looks right, but to make really strong work, we need to balance that with understanding. Today, we're going to look more closely at composition and its role in your art practice. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. So uh, once again, this is a topic that's a little hard to talk about without having visual references, but we're going to try and and also to talk about it in terms of the ideas behind it and why it's important. Um, and composition, uh, you know, Ross, you and I were talking to a musician not too long ago, and we were talking about how composition is in music is bringing together all these different aspects, you know, the, the instruments and the rhythm and all these things. Um, and it's the same in visual art. I mean, you're, you're trying to bring together a lot of different parts and they're also moving parts <laughs> until you get to the final solution or what you're happy with as a final composition. You're dealing with things that are affecting one another all along the way. And as, and as soon as, you change one thing in a composition, everything else is affected. There's this complete interaction between everything. Um, 
sometimes when I'm teaching a workshop, somebody will say, uh, call me over and say, you know, I'm trying to work out how what next to do on this piece. And instead of saying one thing, they'll tell me the next five or six things they want to do. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to add more lines here and change the color here and move this part over here. And, and I was like, wait, 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 you do one thing and then you have a new situation and then you respond to that thing. Um, but to plot all these changes out at once doesn't work because each one affects the other one. Um, so you can't, you can't get too far ahead in your planning. Um, and and some people do plan everything out before they even start, but even that planning stage is going to involve the same exact thing. I mean, you you're making uh, changes as you're trying to figure out the, what the plan is, you know. Um, and until you get it all kind of nailed down, you don't have a plan. So, uh, and and that is a very complicated process. You know, how are these things going to work together? Well, and and when we were discussing. Uh, having a, when we were having our conversation with our our friend who does composition, we were really relating it to writing. And yes. I have another friend who's writing a book, and my suggestion suggestion to him from the beginning was start with an outline and put up put all the major plot points out. And mm-hmm. and figure out how this thing is going to come together. And it's difficult to do that in a painting that is evolving and changing as you work. <laughs> but stories do that too. Yeah. And I think that it, we can still work from a basic, maybe just a thumbnail sketch of mm-hmm. how is this thing going to kind of come together. And, and maybe you don't really know how that it comes together, but you have a an endpoint that you're shooting for, right? In terms of just the way that things are organized on your surface, right? And and it differs a lot between different artists how specific that is. Um, some artists work from totally intuitively the whole time; they don't know where it's going to end up, um, but they may be working within certain parameters of just their personal voice. Um, and others do want it much more you know, set out ahead of time, but they don't know quite how they're going to get there. And along the way, there's going to be changes. And I I think there are very few artists that don't allow for those changes that happen as you're going. Um, It's really important to be open to that. I mean, we we don't always know everything intellectually, right? I mean, some of this stuff happens because uh, we see it and we say that that is right. Um, so to think that you can plan everything out. <laughs> right. It's very difficult to work completely intuitively. And it's also very difficult to work very caged in and planned. And everything is absolutely set in stone before you begin. Yeah. And somewhere in the middle, there's a, <laughs> a an amount of planning that will work for you. Right. It's another one of those wonderful balancing acts that we're always trying to figure out as, as artists. Uh, but, you know, one thing I would say about composition, I feel when I look at um, the work of people who aren't quite as developed, I feel like people settle too soon on composition. They get to something that seems, you know, okay, uh, and they're sort of they're sort of tired of trying to work it out. <laughs> the, the problem with that is if you're settling for a composition that, you know, isn't really that good, but maybe you can convince yourself it's working – the composition is one of the things that somebody looking at the work that's really hits them right away. It's the very first thing that they see. Yeah, and, and color, you know, color is another really dynamic element. But composition, if the if they look at something 
and it's somehow it's not making sense. Uh, it's not organized. The the eyes just dart away. I mean, nobody wants. Very few people have the patience to sit there and try and sort it all out if it's not making sense. And so, stopping too soon and and not achieving this kind of holistic organization is, you know, it it is something that marks a work of art as not as developed. If that if there isn't some sense of strong. Um, intention or organization um, to the piece. And it can be really subtle, and subtle things can work absolutely just as well as stronger, bolder things. But it's it's there's a lot of fine-tuning involved, and I think people lose patience with it, um, trying to tweak it and get it to be just right. But it goes back to what I said about everything affects everything else. And so often in my own work, I will just Something isn't quite right, and I'll add some little bit, and it could be very small, but it's bringing the eye to a certain part of the painting, and all of a sudden, it's working. Um, so finding that little bit, that little thing, can be, it can take a long time, and it can take a lot of trial and error to just finally resolve something. Um, so I just feel like that if you don't do that, and you don't, you're not willing to to really look and look at it, you know, over time, like oftentimes we think something's resolved, put it aside, come back the next day and realize, no, it really doesn't have what it needs until you can um, keep going on that and understand that anyone who looks at it, their eye will go to whatever is unresolved. Um, they're going to be bothered by that. And so you have to find those places that are confused, are indecisive and, and deal with them. And, Often it takes another pair of eyes, um, and people, other people can see more clearly because we ourselves get so immersed in the work, and you know it's hard to get a good look at it. And I've got a few tips later on for trying to deal with that part of it. So, um, composition, you know, it is so challenging that I feel like there's a lot of artists that do settle maybe into something that works. I mean, they find. A composition that pleases them and works, and um, they just they stay there for years. I mean, this this one thing that basic composition that's doing what they want, um, and so it's uh, it's not that you have to jump around and change things with every painting, but to find sort of you know at least some variety in your composition, a range of things that work that explore different aspects of what you're trying to do. Um, they can all hang together as part of your personal voice, but there is that uh, too much repetition is is boring for people looking at it. Um, and so I I think that you know finding ways to variations and ways to play off of something that you've done and and change it up is is really important. It's it's still all you. It's still all part of your voice. But I. I know there are artists that so identify with certain compositions that it's almost like you know what the, it's going to look like before you even look at it, you know? <laughs> and uh, I would say challenge that. I mean, if you see that in your own work, um, it can become a crutch if you're just using that over and over. And and because, again, because everything is connected, that's affecting um, every every part of your work. If you're, if you're, solidified into one way of working it it limits what you know maybe um, if you have a very rigid construction to your work 
that's going to limit you ever doing some really gestural mark making or something spontaneous because it doesn't fit, you know. Um, and it's it's important to understand composition as creating meaning. And so, you know, personal voice covers a lot of different aspects of meaning. I mean, it's different ways of looking at whatever interests you. So um, if you don't allow your compositions to change, then you're sort of saying the same thing over and over. Um, so anyway, that's my little soapbox speech for changing up your compositions now and then. <laughs> it's not fun for you as an artist either. Yeah. And if you're not having fun, then your audience is going to pick up on that. If you're really enjoying your work and you're playing with new concepts and ideas and your work is exciting to you, then it'll be exciting to other people as well. Yeah. I mean, you're... Your life is always changing. Your, if you're expressing yourself through your art, then that would also be changing. Um, recognizing, I totally recognize. It's hard to steer away from something that it's hard to steer away from something that you've learned how to do well. I mean, you've perfected whatever this is, and it's hard to step away from that. Um, and and we've done other podcasts about change and everything, and it, there's a lot to say about that. But just in terms of composition, sometimes that's where it starts. Um, and I, I realized something about my own work that I was just talking about with a friend this morning um, was that I have a hard time not tying everything to the edge of the painting. Like, um, you know, if there's a line it's, or a shape, it's going to go clear to the edge rather than allowing some things to be in the middle and just be there. And I realized that that idea of tying to the edge um, it's kind of like um, it's it's a it's related to the way that we see. I mean, we look out and we see things going to the edge of our vision, and in a sense, it's a less abstract idea um, because it's it, it's tied to that way of the visual world is. Whereas something sort of just appearing in the middle is 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 odder. You know, it's like it's not quite as realistic in a way, even though we're talking about abstraction. So, I'm kind of interested in this, and I'm thinking, okay, so how can I how can I get that to happen in my work? And I'm going to have to push it. You know, I'm going to have to consciously say, okay, this is what I'm doing. Can I make it work? And I, I have played with this already a little bit. And I could tell you, it's tough. I just, it's just like, it's not right, you know. But at the same time, it's kind of intriguing to me. So I want to keep playing around with it. So that's just an example of, you know, the the kind of habits we get into. And, and if you look at the compositions, even if they're not always exactly the same, look at things that you do habitually in your work um, in terms of composition that you could change. And what would that do? What different feeling would that affect? Um, and play around with it maybe with some drawings or something like that or thumbnails. I mean, things don't really float in, in space in, in the natural world. And it, some a shape that isn't attached to anything else is, is naturally unsettling. It has a kind of a supernatural feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, the exception would be objects in motion. Mm -hmm. And something that is kind of floating in space in a work may uh, have a sense of movement to it. Yeah. Yes, it could. And and especially if it weren't right in the middle, but maybe off to one side. And so it pulls your eye over there, but right. then there's a blank space, you know, and it's instead of pulling your eye clear off the edge of the painting, you're, you're hovering a bit. Um, and yeah, those kind of things, what does it imply? What is that, what's that feeling you get? Um, 
You right. know, we look at the blue sky and we see clouds floating there, um, and that is a very ethereal feeling. So, um, I, I think it's uh, something to look at what what's in a composition of your own and say, well, what what's implied here in terms of movement, energy, mood, um, and is that what I want? Would I like to change something about this? Um, and this is even if you use a variety of compositions, but some of these habits come through all the time, no matter what you're doing. <laughs> and those are the really interesting ones, I think, to to take a look at and say, is this serving me? Is this just something that feels uh, comfortable and I just keep doing it? Or, you know, am I a little bored with it somehow and, and kind of change it up a bit? Um, we The, the other uh, previous episode that we had last week about the visual elements and um, visual language, we talked about design principles. And um, and these really are all part of what makes a good composition, a composition that works, that allows the viewer to enter in and engage with it. Um, and so those are, you know, those are important. Those are the basics of, of composition um, and just very briefly to mention what those were, um, there was the idea of a unity and contrast. So some areas of the of the painting are drawing attention to themselves because of contrast. That's tied in with um, distributing the visual weight. The visual weight is where you tend to look more closely. That's um, tied in with uh, proportion, how big things are in relation to the size of the painting, hierarchy, what's important. Um, the alignment of form and content, or using the media and the materials in a way to say what you want to say. So those are all, you know, really, really important. Um, and I guess stepping back just from the, that terminology and stuff, um, I remember a friend saying to me once that uh, oftentimes a painting either has too much going on or too little going on. Um, and that always seemed to kind of nail it down in, in terms of composition. It's too much going on. It's scattered. And that uh, dissipates the energy of the piece. You don't, because you don't know where to look. Um, and if it's, if there's a structure to it, you can organize a lot of things and it won't seem as scattered. Um, so sometimes having a lot going on in a painting is okay, as long as there's some structure to it. And I do know artists who, handle a whole lot of stuff going on in a painting by having an underlying, say, a grid or um, something that organizes things that we kind of get intuitively. <laughs> um, so it's not that it's not that uh, if you have a lot of stuff, it's always too much. You can handle it. You can rein it in. Um, but then there's the too little. Too little going on is the pitfall of minimalism of um, extremely subtle work. Again, these can be powerful paintings, but they do depend on some of those design principles, you know, having a slight amount of contrast or um, something to to pull the eye around the painting and let you know where to look. Um, and I, another thing I, I think is important with a composition is, is this kind of... Um, back and forth between the things that you pay attention to and the things that you are there, but you're not aware of them until you look at the painting longer or you look at the painting several times. 
and to me, one of the most wonderful things about really good painting is that it can appear simple at first, um, but the more you look at it, the more you see. So it can start out quite minimal. Um, it could just be a few shapes, but they're put together so skillfully that, and 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 you know, sort of in in interesting balance or something that you can look and look and never get tired of looking at it, and. That to me is a mark of a good composition that it reveals it reveals the painting over time. You know, there's it sort of brings you in in different ways. That's really intriguing. Um, right. There's ways that our eye moves around a painting where the the surface level things draw us in immediately, and then we can go one level deeper and one level beyond that, and get drawn deeper and deeper into a single image. And understanding just the basic way that your eye moves around a, a painting um, in that those first couple mm-hmm. seconds and then what what draws your eye and how your eye moves and where you can go a little bit deeper um, is is crucially important in, in arranging a composition yeah. and just understanding how to use things like line and shape, um, how lines tend to draw the eye along a line. We follow mm-hmm. a line. And um, particularly round shapes draw the eye. So just arranging your your lines, your shapes, your values, um, you know, contrast draws the eye. And so we it, we can we can manipulate the way that an, your eye moves around the painting. Yeah, there's something called implied lines too, which are kind of your, your sight lines um, that they're not actually created in the painting, but they create the path of your eye. Um, and, and and they're sort of right. like. Like you could imagine little dotted lines over your painting saying, you look here, look here. Um, Right. And a really good composition leads you back to a starting point so that your eye is continually moving around the painting and it's not being drawn off. Yeah, there's something some artists talk about like fast areas and slow areas. So if you have, and they're basically, um, you know, how quickly your eye moves along or is it, is it stopped and it's lingering by some detail or some intricacy that's on the on the painting, um, and and having some combination of fast and slow in the painting, and avoiding um, fast sight lines that take you out of the painting. So um, something that would draw your eye right off the you know right to the edge and off um, can sometimes that's good. I mean it can be. Again, it all gets down to what you want. You know, how much harmony do you want? How much tension do you want? Do you want some things that are a little edgy and and uncertain? And there the trick is have them seem intentional, that you wanted them to be edgy and not just that you didn't quite resolve it or you just let it go somehow. (laughs) So it's very interesting uh, looking at some work that – has this sort of off-balance feeling to it that can be really interesting. Um, And another artist might work hard to harmonize everything and make everything kind of resolved and um, finessed. And then someone else does something kind of raw and rough and edgy. And it is a totally different um, experience to look at it. So all this stuff, all this stuff about composition – you know, comes back to what you're what you're after. What, um, and I think actually working with that raw, edgier stuff is really a challenge because we have um, kind of an innate desire, I think, for the harmony and the and the more pleasing path. <laughs> um, 
And so it, it, right. it it's it's challenging to shake that up a little bit. And even if you do it to a small degree, um, maybe to the degree that, that you could handle as the artist, it's going to add some energy to your work. Well, our, our minds are, though, kind of drawn to things that do make us a little bit uneasy. Mm-hmm. You can't have a story without a mm-hmm. villain. Um, and, and when we're playing with visual arts, we're, we're playing with our brains and a very ancient part of our brain that was entirely focused on keeping us alive mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and avoiding predators and things like that. And so it, being able to draw the eye into areas that, that make us feel a little bit uneasy can actually be a really fun way to just kind of play mm-hmm. with that, um, that the way that our bri- our brains are interpreting that data. Yeah. And, and it, it does create the contrast that we're talking about that um, that's important in activating a composition, even if you had a very uh, harmonious image to have something that kind of snags the eye or, you know, makes you feel a little bit like, what's that doing there? Um, uh, showing maybe the artist's hand, like maybe this one area or several areas aren't quite as refined. They're a little bit rougher. You're more aware of the paint. Sometimes um, allowing the paint to be paint pulls the viewer away from the image itself and creates this interesting conversation between the fact that you're not, I mean, you are essentially looking at the illusion of paint that that creates on the surface rather than an image itself. So especially in realistic work, I love it when there's a little, some painterly little flick of the brush that, um, you know, makes you aware that somebody did this. This is not just a a photographic image. Um, so all those things that just kind of uh, tweak the viewer's brain a little bit are interesting. <laughs> well, and those details are what keep us looking at at a piece of artwork for a long mm-hmm. time. And I mean, this, once again, it plays with that primitive part of the brain. We can imagine primitive man sitting around the fire and and watching for sets of eyes reflecting for a split second in the Mm -hmm. darkness or staring up at the stars and and seeing these tiny points of light in this great void and imagining their place in all that. And, and these, this is what our, our brain's been doing for thousands of years is looking Mm -hmm. for these tiny little details. Fixating on little details. Yeah. And you know, People often worry about overworking a painting, which is perfectly possible. <laughs> I know I've done it. Um, but there's also this thing that we're talking about, are paying attention to these little areas and how important they can be. And and being okay with spending time there uh, as the artist, as creating it and saying, well, this little bit of red here, maybe it would be better over three inches, you know? <laughs> Those little things. Um, sometimes... We feel there's some voice inside saying, oh, you shouldn't be uh, paying this much attention to every little detail. You're going to overwork it. You're going to kill it. And in my experience, that isn't, I mean, you can certainly kill it by too much obsessing. And sometimes you have to walk away. <laughs> but so often it's those little little things that really, really make a difference. Um, and you can see this by studying great paintings. Um from the past or the present, if you really love something that you're looking at and take your hand and just cover your vision over some part of that painting and see how it it fails because something has been left out when you cover it up. Um, 
that's a good test of whether something's right. important in your work. Can you cover it up and it, and the painting still still hangs together? So much of whether a painting looks overworked or not depends on the medium that you're using. So if you're working in watercolor, then yeah, absolutely <laughs> things are going to become overworked very yeah. quickly. But if your if your medium is is something that's meant to be worked and and you go back into it and you remove and you add, um, then you can really get into working that to its its completion. Um, and th- then that's also going to require less planning and a more intuitive working style because you can figure out as you go what's working and yeah, what's not. Yeah, and those the media the media like watercolor um, charcoal that are hard to change. That you know, that's a whole other discipline. It's like a lot of those end up in the trash, I think, because you didn't get it, and there's no really no way to work rework it. Um, if you enjoy the the tweaking aspect and the you know trying to get it just perfect in your mind and your eye, uh, yeah, using something like oil or acrylic where you have that freedom is is probably a good route for you. Um, I had a few a few tips just to kind of um, uh, end this part with uh, about this kind of thing. Like how do you um, arrive at good compositions? This kind of more practical things. And the basic idea of editing, which we've been talking about here in various ways, but that decision about uh, not only what you need to put in, maybe you need that little red dot there, but what you need to take out to organize, to simplify, to direct the eye. Um, It's just editing is, you know, it's very analogous to what you do with writing. You know, you can take a sentence that has, uh, you you can read it and say, well, that's not a bad sentence. And then you take six words out of it and you say, that's a way better sentence. Or you substitute a word and you all of a sudden it's, it's, it's has power because it's not scattered all over the place. Um, and it's the same with visual art, and this is a, a skill that is so good to develop. And it's not just at the end of a painting, and you don't just wait till the very end and say, "Okay, now what am I going to take out?" As you go, you know, say, "Okay, this, this part's getting covered up now. I'm going to paint over this because it's not contributing to the whole, or it's distracting, or something." Um, and and that is, uh, you know, it's practice to to learn how to do that. And uh, again, maybe helpful to have other people help you see if you're learning that this needs editing. <laughs> um, and I mean, in writing, they always say we always need an editor because we can't really see our own writing as it is. So in the visual arts, sometimes you need that other person. Um, kind of a um, a time-honored way of dealing with composition is making little thumbnail drawings. And... Um, you know, meaning just a small drawing in your sketchbook where you sort of diagram your composition. And again, this is not something necessarily doing at the very end when, which is helpful then to say, is there some problem here? But, you know, as you go along, as you're thinking, you know, you end your painting day and you think, well, what, how am I going to attack this tomorrow? And you might make a little thumbnail of, okay, I want this shape to be bigger. Um, And as I said, it's, you, you can stop right there. You don't have to say this shape is bigger, this one smaller, et cetera, because as soon as you make that one shape bigger, everything's going to change. Um, but thumbnails are great, just keeping them in a sketchbook. Um, diagramming your own work that you like or someone else's that you like uh, visually with a thumbnail is a good idea. So 
looking at a painting that was successful and not with words, but with with drawing it out, um, trying to understand relationships that were going on there. And it's not that you want to have to reproduce that or anything else, but it all these little steps of starting to understand on an intuitive level, and intuition is you know important in all of this um, help. And uh, a few tips for kind of getting that fresh view on things. If you don't have um, somebody right there to to help you, or you know, even if you do, but you want this for yourself as well. Turning your work, um, whether it's abstract or realistic, I don't know how often realistic painters actually hang the work upside down. Uh, abstract painters typically turn the work and see how it looks from different angles or hung different ways. And what that does in terms of composition uh, really often points out a weakness. You see that some part of the painting you never really paid that much attention to because when you were working on it, it was down in your lower left corner or something. And then you turn it so it's at the top. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of falling apart there. That's kind of weak. Um, similar fresh view you can get by looking in a mirror. So um, holding the mirror in front of you with your back to the painting and looking at the painting in reverse or doing that, um, if you can do that on your phone or your camera uh, to reverse it, it that again gives you a, a fresh view of maybe a part of the painting that really isn't part of the whole. It's not really been brought into the composition. Um, uh, likewise, taking a photo and looking at it in your black and white mode, that's often done for value contrast. That's a kind of a trick that people use. Do I have a value distribution? But you can also see compositional things with that too, because it takes away that the color distraction. You know, you can see more clearly the forms. Um, and then just backing off. If you have room in your studio, or if you take something to a, another room or outside, really get some distance on it. Um, can reveal a lot. You know, how much impact does the composition have when you look at it? from a distance. Not all compositions have to hold up from a distance if they're very subtle. Um, but a lot of them you can you can really see um, what needs to be done. So, you know, this is a lot of info. And um, it does, you know, it, it is important to remember that it can, this kind of thing can seem overwhelming. Oh, am I really doing all these things? Am I doing this right? That intuitive part really, that intuition something just looks right is important because um, we have that as human beings and something feels right, looks right. And it's not that you can't trust that. It's more like when you feel that, maybe take a moment to think about why. Why does it look right? So that it helps you going forward. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? You know, I think there is... Um, something to be said about just the idea of organizing. You know, there's a lot of areas of our life where <laughs> the key to accomplishing something is organizing it. And that's what composition is. It's just organizing it, um, organizing your painting or some other 2D work. And um, there is a lot of spontaneity and uh, intuition involved. But um, in the end, you know, it gets down to what you want to accomplish with it. Every work of art is different. Um, and I feel like your approach to composition should be flexible enough to be expressive, but also done with awareness and understanding that um, 
This is the path in for the viewer. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and www.squeegeepress.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.